money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I am, kind of. We're talking about heart issues around money today. You know, I just had this thought as you said that. I don't know how many weeks... (laughs) That we don't just definitively say, I'm ready, I'm to, ready talk to talk money. money. Dave. Like usually it's a kind I of, or I'm not sure. Last week you asked me the question, and that yeah. really threw us all for a loop. We had to figure out what's going on with that, you know. But honestly, I'm going to ask it again. Yes, Are you ready to talk yes, money? Yes, okay, yes, we're ready to talk yes. money. And the heart issues around money. This is the show where we talk around the, talk about the heart issues around money. And we, if you didn't catch the show last week, you don't stop listening to the show this week. But I'll, you have to listen to the show last week. We talked. We had Debbie Doyle on from Doyle and Saluski. Talked about the nuts and bolts of bankruptcy. A little bit the technical thing. Debbie, you're back with us again this week. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. We're going to change gears a little bit. Uh, so now that you have some education, you, you've listened to the show, you've got a little education, we really want to dig into the some of the hard issues around bankruptcy, some of the hard issues around as people consider or come into bankruptcy or, or proposal, as we learned last week, the, a little bit the differences between those two, that we say, all right, what's going on in the heart? And so, Reb, I know you've got a verse that, that you're itching to share before we jump right in. But uh, so go ahead. Well, there are, uh, I was thinking of the word shame. Um, and uh, we had been talking a little bit about in our office sometimes that there's a lot of shame attached to debt. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine bankruptcy and insolvency. So um, those are the verses that I I went and looked up, like, are there shame verses in the Bible? Does he talk about shame? And one of them is in Psalm 25. Um, and I actually was telling Dave, I actually thought of the phrase because it's in a Brian Dirksen song. And he says, no one who trusts in you will be put to shame. And it's from Psalm 25. And um, in this version, it says, O Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord, and point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Mm. And I was, I just, I mean, I just love that phrase. No one who trusts in you will be put to shame. And do we actually believe it? There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of things that I'm learning about shame. We have a shaming culture. We shame others. We shame ourselves. And it's a hard thing. But Scripture says when we put our trust in the Lord, we're not going to be put to shame. So what does that mean and what does that look like? I'm not sure we're going to get to the bottom of that today. But um, another passage that if you really want, I was just reading it. Um, Joel 2 is, um, you know, the prophet Joel spoke. <clears throat> and in chapter 2, it talks about repenting 
and how the Lord would come after that repentance and the land would be refreshed. And he, and it's those verses we often quote, and it says, you know, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust is eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. And I can imagine some of you out there might feel in your finances that the locusts are just coming after you. I, it's just such a mm-hmm. great picture. You know, you're... Yes, you may have by choice gotten into debt problems. You may haven't had a choice and gotten into debt problems. And the locusts are coming out. I'm just going to cry. I'm just thinking that's how people are feeling. Mm -hmm. The locusts are actually swarming and eating all that you're trying to work for. But because of this repentance and because the Lord comes and he says, you know, trust me, even in even in our mistakes, he says that we'll eat in plenty, we'll praise his name. Um, that's from verse Joel 2, verse 26. And we'll praise him because he deals wondrously with us. And his people will never be put to shame. Then he says, Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. There are some promises that God has for us, even in our mistakes. That's why Jesus came. His heart for us is love and restoration and and repentance. Um, I love that word repentance because he says in his word in, in Acts, Peter says, you know, repent for times of refreshing will come. And that word repent and and actually in that context, in that time of refreshing means a recovery of breath. We're going to catch our breath again. You won't, you're going to be running, running at full speed and come to the top of the mountain and you'll be like, oh, I can breathe. And you can see the, see the land restored from a different perspective. So if you're in trouble financially, if you're feeling that you need to call Doyle and Saluski or more than enough, call because there's, there's refreshing to come for you and hope even in this difficulty. And I just I love yeah. I love that picture, Debbie. And I, th- I think you were shaking your head when Rob was saying that, that that idea of you know part of this this um, uh, hard issues around bankruptcy is that people will catch their breath. I mean, you said it in our last show that you know it's it's a reset. It's a it's a reorganization. I think was uh, the words you were using. And and just this morning thinking about that, saying yeah. This sometimes just gives us that opportunity to catch our breath. Yeah, and so um, the Bankruptcy Act, the Bankruptcy Insolvency Act, um, has three main purposes. One of those is to catch the bad guys. And that, as I said in our earlier show, is a nominal, nominal part of what goes on. Mm -hmm. The greater part of what goes on is the mercy that is granted to the unfortunate individuals or business, the unfortunate individuals who find themselves in a place <clears throat> pardon me, where they never planned to be. Mm-hmm. They never planned to be yeah. there. So how many of us before mm-hmm. the cross of Christ mm-hmm. planned to be yeah. who Jesus came to save Mm -hmm. we didn't no no and and then the third part of the bankruptcy act is to provide rehabilitation Mm -hmm. you need to be rehabilitated you didn't plan to be here you're here 
you have engaged in certain practices because you were scrambling mm-hmm. and you need to be rehabilitated, mm-hmm. put back on a right footing. And this is what also happens in our relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's not that he just brushes us off because he gives us new life. He, get, he sanctifies us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there is that idea that you are getting a sure footing and you are moving forward. Yeah. So many people come in thinking, I'm the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you made choices at the time based upon what you thought was the right thing to do. You didn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that something was coming down the line that was going to throw all of those choices off kilter. Right. Yep. You didn't know. Yep. You need mercy. Yep. And, th- and that's so huge to, to again, uh, I guess – what I want to encourage as we're talking about it is, is that there is – it's not just a financial transaction. It's not just, oh, if I had been better with money, then I wouldn't be where I am. No, it's a little more complicated than that. It could be a job loss. It could be a, a spouse who gets sick. It could be, be a child who gets sick. That, that those decisions happen and, and you're all of a sudden decide, you're making decisions with money, of course, that – get you to a place where you didn't know you would ever end up, you know, and, and okay, let's see if we can catch our breath. Let's see if we can find that reorganizing, that rehabilitation, as you said, to say, you know, yeah, there are some habits you might have fallen into, which are bad habits. Okay, we need to deal with those as well, granted, but some of it is just situationally over and over and over again, and we need to figure out how we're not going to end up there. Right, and... Often we see um, individuals who pour their heart and soul into a business venture. Mm-hmm. And as a requirement from the bank, the bank says, we want your personal guarantees. Yeah. So hard times come on the business, the personal guarantee is called upon. So not only does the business fail, but then as an individual, you are called to pay on those personal guarantees. You didn't go into business in the hope of failure. No. 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 You went into business in the hope of success. Yeah. So um, that needs to be um, clearly stated to people. The idea of shame, uh, Rebecca, that you brought up is huge. Mm. And people are before me um, shaking their heads, embarrassed mm-hmm. about where they're at. Um, I've had several who have lost everything. They've lost everything, not having a home to live in any longer, um, losing all of their savings. And when you look at the wave upon wave, like Job, Mm -hmm. you look at the wave upon wave of hardship that has come upon them, all you can do is cry with Mm -hmm. them and pray with them and plead with the Lord for their restoration. Mm-hmm. I mean, the important thing is, and you don't want to beat yourself up too much about this, my husband always says, <laughs> but the important thing is, like, you have, you, you're, you have your relationship with the Lord. That's intact. Nothing is going to destroy that. Mm-hmm. And you plead with the Lord. You, you, you ask him, bring me forward beyond this. 
And I, yeah, I'm just feeling it here, sitting here. I just feeling the sorrow that people are carrying over, over, you know, you beat yourself up. And Mm -hmm. uh, this goes back to, uh, you know, one of the, we didn't really define shame versus guilt, but, um, but I know, you know, shame is, is that I am bad. And that's that, oh, you know, I'm a failure. And, and, you know, you're just talking about that, Debbie, and saying nobody starts out in a business or even in their personal lives, you know, with the end destination that I'm going to have these feelings of I am just a terrible person when it comes to managing money. No, uh, that's not it. Guilt, of course, is, is more behavioral, right? It is, I did something bad. Oh, okay. There's a big difference between shame and guilt and how we reconcile those because you're going to feel both of those emotions as you're going through the, mm-hmm. the, the process of catching your breath and, and uh, going through that. So, you know, making that distinction and saying, I'm, I, I got to recognize that I'm going to feel both of those emotions and what do I do with those? And does, does the shame... And those feelings, I guess this is for both of you because we see it in our office too with the de- the coaching that we do. But does it come from inside of us or does it come from outside, from other people that, that they're being shamed? Or is it our culture that says we're supposed to look so good and dare you admit that you're struggling? Like what, or is it all of that? I'd say all of the above. Okay. And you think about um, an individual's upbringing, the mm-hmm. uh, the family values that they that they were raised in, uh, the culture, as you say, um, jokes, people making jokes about these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, you dare not tell anybody that you know your checks are bouncing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You dare not tell anybody because um, you will be shamed. And there's also fear, fear of if I admit this, what's going to happen? Right. What is going to happen if I admit this? And so you continue on as if everything's okay and you're covered in this fear. And the, the probably the, the most blatant example of this uh, involved a husband coming into the office with his wife, he had not told her anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And I tell you, she wailed because they had lost everything. Mm-hmm. The business had failed. He'd personally guaranteed everything. And she wept. Now, did he did he tell you in front of tell her in front of yes, you? Yes, he did. Yeah, we've had those. David's had those moments mm-hmm. where yes, the confession comes in the office. Yeah, it's very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, having experienced situations where I've been told the truth, which is very painful, it's good to know the truth. Mm-hmm. It's good to know that you need a savior. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. That's good. Yeah. So it's good to know the truth because once the truth is revealed, you can actually do something about it. Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. But as long as it's kept hidden, uh, you're you're operating in fear. Well, and interesting, you know, the truth sets free, right? He, mm-hmm. God didn't just tell us that because it does. It does. The repentance, like we've already said, leads to times of refreshing, and it. I guess it comes back to. What is really important? And what do, you know, there's all this stuff 
there's the houses and the cars and all of that and we lose all that and that you know we i grew up and we on a farm and we had two barn fires like mm. wiped out and and that's a farming community oh, you know and that was uh in 1991 and then 1997 same thing same barn like i mean the first was rebuilt and 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 i'm sure there are people even out there who have had bankruptcy insolvency or or um you know debt trouble and then they kind of recover and then something horrible happens again i mean how i mean i mean what a great comparison but for our family that was that was hard two mm-hmm. fires same same scenario crazy mm-hmm. all the parameters were put in place a second time f- so it wouldn't happen again and it happened mm-hmm. and you're like whoa and i'm sure people feel like that like yep. that you're you're the fire has just been lit and it's totally wiped out everything mm-hmm. you have Rebecca, you raised the issue or and dave you you talked about the difference between shame and guilt but raising the issue of shame there is an interesting thing going on in the culture right now, which is driving young people to attain. We mm. thought our generation, and I don't know how old you folks are, but <laughs> we're almost 50. Yeah, okay, so I'm a little bit beyond that. I'm, co- I'm collecting CPP, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> yeah, so uh, whereas our generation, um, you know, we this was the credit card introduction and mm. the me generation and the materialism and mm. so on. This particular generation of young people now, um, mm. the young adults, they are buying, whereas we may have gone out and bought a brand new Toyota Corolla, they're buying Lexus, they're yep. buying yes. very expensive vehicles. Uh, we may have um, purchased a two-bedroom home, and scraped all of our pennies together for the down payment. They're they're doing max financing and buying expensive places mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, finance furniture inside. Now, why this is happening, uh, I don't know, but I think it's tied in with the whole issue of shame and status. Mm-hmm. I think it's tied in with that, mm-hmm. and then the idea of easy credit. Yeah, it's huge. The I idea, mean, yeah. it, it is a you know. Uh, it, it really is the perfect scenario where you have easy credit. You've got lots of cultural pressure. You know, I, I often say this. Rebecca's mom is 91. Um, so when she was a child, it was, you know, we ran home to the one, one, one room home one shack room home, yeah. to make sure the bread was rising correctly so that they would have bread at the dinner at that night dinner because if they didn't do that you never knew what was going to happen and and that was their that was her reality and she's lived through the introduction of technology and now we spend more on just our phone service you know, our children, you know, those young adults spend more on just their phone service than Rebecca's mom would have in a whole month, right? In terms of technology or even a year, if you think about it, in terms of she well, wouldn't she, spend anything. And she also said in her day and age, they were all working to survive and earn, you know, a living. And no one went out for dinner. There weren't restaurants. So, and you didn't have that pressure because everybody was in the same boat. But now the pressure is you got to look like this. We go out for dinner. You had to drive this kind of car. Dave and I joke sometimes. We're like, that young lady looks too young to be driving that vehicle. <laughs> I say that often. <laughs> no way. She can't be old enough to drive that. You know? so, but that, that is, I mean, it is a perfect storm for 
distressed financially for getting way over leveraged in in what you're making and then there's an expectation well I have to make this salary because this is the livelihood that I've created. So that means a dual income. That means maybe three jobs between two people because it's just driving that whole whole scenario. So do, do you see a certain age group that comes to your office like over the forty years? Like, is it is it changing the the age? Are they coming? That's younger? a good question. And I'm glad you brought it up because Dave was talking about something there, and it made me think about how parents jump in to help their children. And um, I do not see anything wrong with families supporting families, but we are, in see- we are seeing increasing numbers of senior citizens, wow. not only uh, because of their own debt problems, but because they're also helping their children. Wow. Now, that's also a reality of the um, cult, not just the culture, but the economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's a reality of the economy and the stresses that are on the families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talk about Rebecca's grandma. I mean, I think about my own family and how we lived on one income and we weren't super rich. We were sort of lower middle class, but we didn't go without. I mean, that whole time that whole style of living doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so um this issue of seniors and their debt problems because they're helping out families is huge and they're also ashamed Mm -hmm. that they you know here i am at this stage of life and look at where i am Mm -hmm. you know look at where i am i didn't plan to be here weeping Mm -hmm. well yeah okay you shouldn't be carrying this for the rest of your life. Let's, by God's grace, we live in a country where we can deal with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's deal with it. Right. Where you said we do have good law, bankruptcy and insolvency laws yeah. in place that help. Yeah. yeah. And I know parents love their kids. I've got kids. I understand it. <laughs> yeah. You want to help them. Yeah. And what does that look like? I mean, again, this is a... We're almost into another conversation just around how do we navigate as parents, the kids, but as we see the, the economy changing, the culture changing, and, and what becomes normal. Again, well, everybody has a cell phone, so then I should have one too. Well, yeah, but if I'm a single-income in- family with five kids like you, like us, maybe that's just not a reality that everybody gets their own cell phone and has a data package and we're paying X number of dollars a month. Um, It just may not be the reality of where it goes. And, you know, okay, uh, well, what do we do with that, right? Do you see people walk away from the shame? Do you see as you help them? Or do do people carry it? Are we carrying our, like, that feeling that, oh, we're failures, so... For the most part, I would say um, that people are not walking away proud of it at all. No, well. They don't want people to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great concern about where this information is available, who's going to know about that. Right. Well, uh, it's not put out on the radio, it's not in the newspapers, it is a part of the public record. Um, at the same time, mm-hmm. um, the the Lord, especially when you're a believer, you know that the Lord is not going to waste your suffering. Mm. Right. 
And so the opportunity is likely going to come when you will be able to speak into the lives of others mm-hmm. and use those uh, and I don't like to use the word lessons in a terrible way in that, you know, shame on you. No, no. the lesson of trusting God to bring you through this storm mm-hmm. and giving you the the grace uh, of this legal process that you can share with others and say, you can get through this. You will get through this. Mm-hmm. So and it's interesting because the the woman I was telling you about um she's a researcher her name's Brené Brown and you can go google TED Talks on YouTube about her research on shame. She spent over 12 years already studying it and she says the antidote to shame is empathy and vulnerability and transparency mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. to live a whole life being vulnerable and transparent which we are so bad at doing even in our Christian communities Mm -hmm. we are not being real with where we're at and i just feel like we've got to be because we because we'll feel we don't want to be rejected right it's it's a plain human thing we don't want people to reject us and think oh look you know and be talked about because we do that too it's there it's a we talk about other people we gossip we say things we shouldn't and there's this but in but the community of believers that god wants for us is one of where we help one another where we lean on one another we cry with those who cry as you do and and we rejoice in in the things that we can rejoice in but yeah when Brene brown says it's empathy and vulnerability you know, when you can come alongside someone and say, I know exactly how you feel, and it's okay, and you're going to get through it, because I've been there. Mm-hmm. That's just what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we have a long way to go, I think. By God's grace, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I th- we're coming to the end of the show, and mm-hmm. I was just thinking, we're going to, I think we want to, uh, you know, I don't know if the, the, the right word is anointing or a dubbing. What do you do to a, a soldier? Or a knight when <coughs> you, have- you, you, you. Yeah, dub him as a knight. I don't know what the sword. What is, what is that term where you commissioning? You commission. Okay. Well, I just thought that Debbie here is an angel of mercy, and we want to commission you <laughs> in that. I know you've been in it for forty-one years, and and that's probably nothing new. But I want to just honor that in in a sense that there is an awful lot of freedom that flows through your office and and, and mm-hmm. allows people to catch their breath. So thank you for well, thank the you. work yeah. that you do to just And if you didn't sense freedom. her compassion and empathy over the airwaves, listen again because that mm-hmm. seems to be who you are. So and it's a gift. Mm-hmm. So if any of you are struggling, please reach out for help even mm-hmm. if you feel like you can't come alone come with come with someone you trust if because you don't have to do it alone mm-hmm. you know god created us in community to help one another so i'm just going to pray father i thank you for this conversation and that um, no one who trusts in you will be put to shame lord we carry shame from our culture from ourselves from our families maybe our upbringing lord will you help us face the truth of where we're at and lord trust you that you will give us the grace that we can face the trouble without calling ourselves failures lord that because that's not who you say we are. So, Lord, I just thank you for these words and this time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. And thanks again, Debbie, for joining us. It was wonderful. What a great conversation. If you missed the conversation that we had with Debbie last week, it is on the, the, the wide world of wide world. Whatever the WWW stands for. I know it stands World for something. Web. There you go. Uh, CHRI.ca, more than enough.ca. Uh, on iTunes, uh, we're on Let's Search, uh, just search Let's Talk Money with Dave and Reb. You'll find us there. And uh, join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow. For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.